0: I drive around and I look through the windows and then it dawns on me. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds.
1: Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well-being, energy, and resilience. My name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter and today Joe's interviewing Henry Das. Henry found our podcast and we were glad to invite him on. He is a serial entrepreneur of 30 years, business and finance coach, author of FQ Financial Intelligence. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Henry Das of Das Knowledge. Uh, Welcome. Thanks for joining me, Henry.
0: Glad to be here, Joe.
1: Lovely. So tell us a bit about who you are, what you do, and where you do it.
0: Okay, so clearly I'm, a, I'm Yank. I'm an American. Um, I work out of my home in New Jersey. Um, my backstory, pretty simple. I uh, spent 30 years as an entrepreneur. Uh, had six, seven, eight companies, sort of lost count. Uh, about eight, nine years ago, I started coaching. Uh, so now I coach entrepreneurs I uh, also coach folks in uh, personal finance, um, entrepreneurs, and regular folks alike. I wrote a book called FQ Financial Intelligence, which I released last fall, and I sell a course around it, and I do all sorts of other stuff. I write screenplays, and I write two blogs. I do a lot of writing, and I do a lot of podcasts,
1: so it's kind of me in a nutshell. So some of this podcast is about how you go about organizing yourself. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing that because it sounds like you've got a lot going on.
0: (laughs) Yes, you and me both.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So where are you based, Henry?
0: Um, A little town called Mountainside, New Jersey.
1: Lovely, lovely. And you said you work from home already. Do you have a specific office set up for...
0: I do. I have a... I call it my war room. It's like (laughs) an office that I built in my basement. It's... um, Uh, full of computers people come in here and they and they laugh because I have about 10 computers and about 30 monitors Um, because I I can't have a computer with just one monitor on it so they all have at least three some have as many as five or six and they do different you know they they serve different purposes
1: yes yes very good (laughs) so what did you want to do when you left school did you plan to be doing what you're doing now
0: well, I always thought I would be an entrepreneur, a uh, lot of entrepreneurs in my family, a lot of professional people, doctors and lawyers. Um, so I felt that running my own business was, was in my future. Um, but I also knew that I wanted to work for somebody else for a little while just to, just to get some, for lack of a better term, some free training. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of see what the world is like, get a paycheck, um, to kind of be able to to live in cubicle world for a little while. I mean, I knew I knew it wasn't a long-term uh, solution for me, knowing what I know about myself. So when the opportunity arose, I was probably 31. I'm 61 now, so 30 years ago. Uh, I grabbed it, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, and, and I never looked back.
1: So it's interesting when you think about how long ago that was it now if somebody said what you've just said to me which was you know I knew I wanted to work for myself and in the end it was going to happen all that sort of stuff that would be quite common and maybe even sort of 10 or 20 years ago but when you were doing that it wasn't you know it it was still quite a traditional time in terms of you know you, you go to college you get a job you have a career you go up the ladder um what what made you think how did you know at the time that that was likely to be what was going to happen with you because it, it was unusual in for your cohort i'm imagining
0: it, yeah it it was right now you got to remember this is um i founded my first company 1991 so mm-hmm. it's pre-internet yeah pre-cell phone um we had computers but we were doing stuff on you know spreadsheets and word documents Uh, We had a fax machine, so that was like, you know, we died and went to heaven because we have a fax. (laughs) Um, We had some dial-up, what they called EDI systems, which which were these proprietary systems to connect to vendors, but they were very, very specific. So it was kind of a primitive time. So the barriers to entry for entrepreneurship were were higher. I mean, they've always been high, uh, but they were higher then. Um, Where now you if you decided tomorrow you wanted to be an amazon affiliate and create a relationship with a you know with a vendor in china assuming you know putting the pandemic aside um there are very little barriers to doing that mm-hmm. uh, anyone can do it and they can do it from the comfort of their own home yeah uh, that we couldn't do i mean i was talking about this with some folks of of my vintage um we were saying, what if this pandemic had struck during the 80s? Oh,
1: absolutely. Right? Yeah. Work from home,
0: this <laughs> yeah. and that. I mean, it would have been a whole different ball game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. For me, I didn't miss a beat. I already work remotely. I already mm-hmm. work with people in Australia and, and Japan and, and Thailand and Montenegro and Costa Rica. I mean, all over. I was used to being on Zoom. You know, friends were asking me what's the zoom thing people are talking about <laughs> it's like uh yeah it's it's a thing and it makes yeah. it really really easy to communicate so yeah
1: yeah yeah so your um transition from running businesses to coaching again that's not something that everybody does and and sometimes if you're a doer it's hard to then become someone who helps and encourages other people to do but actually doesn't do it for them if you like how did that come about
0: um i i sold my my business i was turning 50 my mother was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer my mother-in-law was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer this was 2010 uh so everything kind of came to a boil at the same time Mm -hmm. and so we moved, we sold our house. We kind of pivoted our, our life. I'm married. I've been married for 30 years. I guess it'll be 30 years this new year's Um, three boys uh, there two are graduated ones in college, going to be a sophomore. But at that time, 10 years ago, we were in the throes of it, you know, grammar school, high school, college. So everything was spinning round and round. So Mm. I took a step back after all of that, went through i uh you know i've I've always traded the public markets, the equity markets. I could make a living as a trader if I wanted to I've been doing it since I was in high school, and I manage a book of money. It's just boring right you don't really get to interact with with other humans so uh I did that for a little while as a placeholder, and then I kind of sat down and said, What do I want to do right I've already started a bunch of entrepreneurial businesses. do I want to start another one or do I want to do maybe something that pivots a little bit differently? So what's interesting is I talk about two different, I'm writing a book about business right now, and I talk about two different origin stories for businesses. One is what I call the accidental business, or to put a prettier face on it, we'll call it opportunistic. And the other is the purposeful business, where you actually sit down and write out kind of a plan, what do I want to see out of the business? All of my previous businesses, or most of them had been opportunistic businesses, right? Some low hanging fruit came my way. I said, yeah, I can do that. And I started a business. And a lot of your listeners are probably in that same situation, right? They look back and they say, huh, how did I, how did I get started here? It was kind of an accident, but coaching was different. I sat down and I said, okay, I want to be location independent. I'm pretty soon. I'm going to be an empty nester. Uh, There's a whole wide world that I can explore. I don't want to be tied to an office. I had an office in New York city, for 15 years, it's like, I don't want to do that anymore,
2: mm-hmm. right?
0: I want to be able to work, you know, with who I want, when I want. I don't want to be responsible for the balance sheet and income statement other than my little enterprise, right? So if I work with an entrepreneur, I know all about their, their, their financial stuff, but it's their responsibility. They make the decisions, right? I get to act like, you know, the, the gray hair in the enterprise. Uh, that was very, very appealing to me and the mm. fact that if i if i go to europe i can't go to europe now cuz they won't take my passport <laughs> yeah. uh but if i go to asia uh i can just get on Skype or Zoom and continue my operation all i've done is time shifted uh and otherwise it it works mm. seamlessly
1: mm-hmm. that's
0: really appealing to me at my age
1: yes yeah and what what does a typical day look like for you and i know they'll be untypical But <laughs> what sort of uh things are happening as the day progresses.
0: Well, that's interesting because uh, one of the things that I found really appealing about entrepreneurship is every day is different. Uh-huh. You know, for that short period of time when I worked in Cubicle World and I worked for a subsidiary of the New York Stock Exchange as a uh, as a programmer, every day was pretty much the same. There wasn't a lot of variation, working in the same place, doing the same stuff. We're now... Um, Every day is different. Uh, this morning, you know, we had this power outage yesterday. So, we were, so the power didn't come on until after midnight. <laughs> you know, we're sleeping. <laughs> and All of a sudden, all the lights go on, right? Because <laughs> the power came back. Is interesting it's like oh well the good news is the power's back the bad news is you just woke me up. Um. <laughs>
1: we had our own version of that the other week I was telling you before we came on yeah. we had we had a power cut and my mother-in-law went home we, she lives next door and she went home and she said she sat in the dark for about three hours wondering why the power hadn't yet come on and then she realized that of course she hadn't switched any of her lights on because when the power had gone off she'd been at our house <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was funny. Uh, um,
0: I'll digress for a minute. I, you know, we, we um, you know, you don't, we've been through power outages before. You want to keep the refrigerators closed. You want to keep everything cold because you don't mm-hmm. know how long it's going to last, right? Yeah. Sometimes we've had them for multiple days, and food will stay, you know, won't spoil if you just keep the refrigerator closed for like three days. Mm-hmm. So I went out to get something to eat. So I went to the drive-through at McDonald's because I drove by and the lights are all on, and people are queued up. And I'm sitting there in line, and nothing's happening. And then all of a sudden, somebody leaves, and another person leaves. And we're all sitting there, and there's nobody attending to, to ask you what your order is. Yeah. And the place is lit up like a Christmas tree. So I finally, I drive over to the window where you have to pay. There's nobody there. I drive to the next window, and there's nobody there. I drive around, and I look through the windows, and then it dawns on me. Well, the power went out... Everybody left, nobody shut the lights off. And <laughs> so when the power came on, yes. <laughs> the whole place is lit up. It like looks like the
1: they're arches. open. Yeah. The
0: golden <laughs> arches is lit up. But I said it was like, a z I told my wife, it was like the zombie apocalypse, you know? Yeah, of like Everybody was gone. I started <laughs> laughing. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. It's a, it's a phantom McDonald's. <laughs> um, but it's amazing how long I stood there. I sat there for five, five minutes with five other cars in a queue. I'm waiting for somebody to come on the line Uh, um so anyway so so I got up at six o'clock this morning and I um I write I write a couple blogs so I write a personal blog and I write a a business blog and I like to write a couple things in each and so I had an idea for something to write so I basically started at six o'clock this morning and I wrote for about three hours so that's how I started my day and that's not unusual for that to happen you write when you're in inspired that way you never get writer's block right mm-hmm. because you're right when you got something to write and if you're not writing i'm not blocked i'm just not writing
2: right? yeah. yeah so
0: um then i've got this uh, podcast and i have a, a client call at uh, in about uh, an hour after this and then i have another client call and then i have to go to the gym and then i have another podcast so that's that's today wednesday tomorrow will be something different yes i like yeah. that It constantly keeps me on my toes. It keeps my brain plastic, as I like to say. Um, Some people don't deal well with that at all. They want structure. I know at 9 a.m. I'm going to have my coffee, and at 9.30 I'm going to do this, and 10 o'clock I'm going to do that. That would drive me crazy. Yes, yeah.
1: I yeah. I uh,
0: I couldn't operate that way.
1: So how do you make sure you get done what you need to get done? Because as you say, one of the advantages is all that flexibility, but flexibility can quite easily move into not really getting things done
0: (laughs) well yes you're exactly right you can be busy but not productive Mm. right right i've talked to people who are you know constantly constantly busy and over and overwhelmed but they're never moving the ball forward so i'm you know i'm like that little uh the image that i have is like that little carnival game with the with the metal horses you know and you have a and you have a, a squirt gun People Mm -hmm. compete and those horses, they move across. Well, all the various tasks that you have to do are kind of like those horses there and they move in little fits and spurts, right? So there's a little bit that I have to do with marketing and there's a little bit I have to do with content creation. And then there's things that I have to do to service my clients. And then there's other things I have to do for some masterminds that I run. I guess after years of doing it and understanding it, it all flows very naturally for me. I mm-hmm. can contact shift, but what I what I don't do is multitask. Meaning, if I'm working on writing a piece, like I was this morning, I'm working on writing that piece. I'm not in the middle of it now, hopscotching over to something else. I'm I stay focused on it. Yeah. I can stay focused for if I'm writing, I can stay focused for for a couple solid hours without without being distracted. Uh, I know that enough about myself. But then when I get to a logical breakpoint on that, I'll put it aside and it's like, okay, now I have to work on this yeah. and I make lists. Uh, I've even gone so far as to actually track all of this. Build, I built a database and I, I created my own, my own system for time tracking. So I, could, I would annotate when I started a task and then when I started the next task, I would annotate that. The assumption was that if a new task started, the other one was finished
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and it would then keep track of it and calculate the time that I spent. So at the end of the week I could say, Oh, I spent, you know, three hours and 42 minutes replying to emails. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a little anal and I don't, I don't know if, (laughs) if to create those, those kind of KPIs or analytics, if there's a value to it, uh, if you're going to glean something from it, great. Otherwise, um, you know, it's what's the point of the exercise?
1: Right? Well, funny you say that. I was wondering, I was, or I was about to ask you, and now I'm wondering, what, um, how, I was going to ask you how you can focus for two hours because I think in this day and age, that's really unusual. And I wonder whether you've trained yourself to do so by measuring your sort of activity and your focus and whether that's actually helped you to do that.
0: I think it's actually that's that's kind of the the, the cart coming after the horse. The measuring <laughs> sort of came afterwards. Um, it's a very interesting question. I think for me, it goes back to again those those uh, that time in my twenties back in the nineteen eighties where I was a computer programmer. <clears throat> I mean, mm-hmm. I remember r- having to write this program on a on a really tight deadline. Um, I remember one day. Um, coding from nine o'clock in the morning until probably 11 o'clock at night. And other than maybe one or two bio breaks, I never left my chair. Yeah. I just sat there and tunnel visioned on this. Uh Same thing when I'm writing a piece or if I'm writing a story, I write screenplays. I've written 11 screenplays. Not unusual for me to just be immersed in it. Yeah. And that's hard to do if... um you know there's there's some um, uh techniques out there they call them uh there's a guy Dan Sullivan strategic coach you might have heard of he's out of mm-hmm. Canada he talks about buffer days and free days and and different sort of structured stuff if your brain works like that you could be successful uh but otherwise uh you you kind of have to figure it out organically yes. and i've done the i've done the the exercise with folks <clears throat> where we try to determine optimal work times so for instance you know when i get a if i get a new coaching client i'll ask them uh you know you a morning person afternoon person evening per- person and i i tailor my schedule around it so that i get them at their optimum productivity but some people don't have the answer they don't really know they've never thought about it
1: mm-hmm. so they'll
0: go i'll go through the exercise of Let's do two weeks. I want you to to track your time so we can figure out where your optimal times are and where your slack times are. Mm -hmm. And then we look at what are you doing during those optimal times. If you're answering emails during those optimal times, you have to ask yourself, is that really how you should be allocating things? There's a mismatch there, right? Yes. Do critical functions when you're at your highest functioning. Mm. Answer emails after lunch, right? When you're when you kind of have that full belly and that little post uh, post lunch malaise, (laughs) why would I try to focus on some hypercritical task? It's there's a disconnect there. Yes, so you can go through the exercise of figuring that out. Me, I'm a morning person and an evening person, so I can be hyper focused in the morning and hyper focused um, in the evening where I struggle is the sort of the middle of the day, the shank Mm. of the day there
2: Mm. is a time
0: Mm. where that's when I'm doing, you know, stupid stuff that I, that I don't need to do,
1: Mm. you know,
0: when it's critical.
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah. So moving a a bit more specific about getting things done, what what sort of tools and apps would you say that uh, you couldn't live without?
0: Um, I used to use something called uh, Wonderlist, but I don't know that, that Wonderlist is even around. I think it's now a Microsoft product. Mm. Um, I'll use an old-fashioned pen and pen and paper, and I, and I keep a notebook. Um, in fact, I have stacks of notebooks that I just. Mm. I may write something on a post-it. I may write it on a scrap of paper um, and I kind of paste them in there chronologically. as just, just reminders. They're not in, they're not like, it's not like a bullet journal. They're not in any particularly organized fashion. They're just little, little reminders of things. Um, So that's, that's part of what I do. But then, but then I have um, sort of the big list. I use, I use a program called Scrivener, which is a writing program. Yeah. So, um, so I do keep a, a sort of a scrivener notebook with different headings. I also use OneNote, <clears throat> so all mm-hmm. my um, all my coaching calls, and uh, they're all organized in OneNote. So every client has their own section, and every session, uh, I take notes. I take them on an iPad. I like to handwrite my notes, so that's all very very organized. And then I also keep a, a database, a FileMaker Pro database that I custom built that keeps track of all the stuff that's sort of client related. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a bunch of different tools. There's no Swiss army knife for that. Right. Depending mm-hmm. on what it is that you're, you know, you're trying to do. And I, I always have a bunch of different balls. So, you know, I'm writing a book, I'm writing the two different blogs. Um, and then I'm doing, I'm, I'm uh, looking up a lot of information for, for various clients. Cause we're all in different kinds of businesses. So I have to be conversant in that. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and I'll chop the day up, and compartmentalize it. Hour here, ninety minutes there. But if I need a really extended period of time, that's either going to be early in the morning when everybody's sleeping, uh, or it's going to be late at night when everybody's sleeping. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's, a, there's a common theme, though. I get that. <laughs> a common, there, well, I've got
0: I, I've got three kids. My all three of my boys in, in the house now with the pandemic, which I haven't had in. Probably twelve years.
1: Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so lots now, of food being consumed, I would guess, hey, if my nephews or anything to go by. <laughs> trust
0: me. Um, although I'd say the net net of it is because we we generally tend to eat out a little bit too much. Yeah. Uh, I'm saving money.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so one of the things I, I don't always ask um, all my guests, um, but bearing in mind you've had businesses in the past as well. Have you got any tips for delegating and and sharing and outsourcing what you do? You sound like you, you work quite independently currently. Um, Have, how how have you worked with people in the past? How would you recommend people work with other people?
0: Oh yeah, no, that's, that's huge. You know, I, I wrote a little piece that's a little, little 25 page PDF that's on my website that I give away for free. I call it the five, reasons small businesses fail and the number two reason is hiring right hiring for so many people is is just their their achilles heel Um, because if you hire somebody you you must manage them right you just Mm -hmm. it's incumbent upon you to manage them, but people wanna hire somebody, stick them in a corner and let them go do something so that they can work on what they wanna work on with minimal interaction, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it,
0: but that does that ever really work out? I mean, yeah, every once in a while, you do, you find somebody who's independent, right? And a go-getter and gets everything done right. Those people become future entrepreneurs. They're not gonna stick around, right?
2: Mm -hmm. It's almost
0: self-fulfilling. You're minting yourself a new entrepreneur because they have all of the attributes. So yeah, understanding the difference between being a doer and being a manager, really, really big thing. I think it's a fool's errand to hire somebody and expect that they're going to learn everything by osmosis. Mm -hmm. But if you're a doer, right, not a manager, that's going to be tough. It may not fit your core competencies. So you got to make a choice here. You can only scale your business so far as a solopreneur,
2: right? Yeah.
0: One of the reasons I wrote my financial literacy book was after talking to a whole bunch of coaches and saying, I don't have a way to scale my business because I only take between 8 to 10, uh, eight to 12 clients because I work one-on-one.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: I had always wanted to do something in the financial arena so I can do group coaching around finance a lot more easily than I can do group coaching around entrepreneurship. Even though we're, I'm now working with a guy to do um, curated masterminds, so to try to get the best of both worlds.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but anyway, getting back to your, to your question, delegating. Think about the process that goes on when you delegate something. I'm looking to hire a VA right now um, to do uh, LinkedIn outreach. So what do I have to do in order to ensure that that's a successful relationship? I got to build some SOPs for them, right? Standard operating procedure. Mm-hmm. Here's how Henry likes to do stuff. Right here is what um, my expectations are of you. Right, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Here are the sort of inflection points in the relationship where you're initially going to have to seek guidance from me on 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 how to proceed. But then eventually you're going to have to learn that and anticipate. Oh, I've seen this before. I know what Henry wants. And then eventually you'll get to the point where they understand almost like osmosis what it is that you want
2: yes Yes. that
0: process takes time you should be able to do that at least when it comes to hiring a virtual assistant within about 90 days right depending on uh, on the on the level that's required for the task
1: but Mm -hmm. va's
0: you're not going to give va's you know the va is not the ceo of your company They're not making Mm -hmm. super high-level strategic decisions, right? Mm -hmm. That's your Mm job. Yes. Right. I want you in the sales and marketing um, silo, as I call it, and these are the things that I want you to focus on.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, And when they come to you, you've got to coach them up and you've got to teach them, right? They're coming to you for a reason. is because they don't know what to do. Now, what are the telltale signs that the situation's not working out? Well, when they keep coming back to you repetitively for stuff that you've gone over. Yeah. So what do you do? Tell them to add that to the SOP,
2: uh-huh. right?
0: Ah, oh, here's a situation that arose. You're going you're gonna to have 90% of what, they, what they'll do in almost any job will be cookie cutter stuff. But it's the 10% that's, that's vexing, right? The, yeah. All the one-offs here's a situation that occurred, but it's, it's a one-off. That's okay. You still have to write um, uh, uh, some, a paragraph about what to do when that situation arises, even if it doesn't come up for another two years, right? It's the reason companies spend so much money on creating FAQs and knowledge bases online. It's because they want to be able to accumulate that, that, um, that wisdom, so that it's available and then they want to encourage people to use it because it saves them money and it saves them resources Mm -hmm. same rules apply in a small business you don't get off the hook because you're a solopreneur
1: yes yeah absolutely makes sense yeah 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 and as you say i mean the, the real key thing is that whole standard operating procedure piece which i think often is the bit that people procrastinate on doing in the first place but which is why often the outsourcing and delegation doesn't work, doesn't happen rather, not doesn't work, doesn't happen. <laughs> it's because it's work. Mm. Oh,
0: wait, you're mm. telling Henry, you're telling me I got to sit down and write up a procedure for somebody else. You know what? How about I just do it myself? Cause the procedure's in my head and it's just easier. Mm. It's like, mm. yeah, but, that's not scalable.
2: No, no,
0: exactly. Do you want to scale your business or not? My coaching business, I really don't have much interest in scaling it. I'm a solopreneur. If I don't work, my clients don't get serviced. uh, You know, the whole thing falls apart. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. Right. That's, that's fine. However, I do have a vision in my head, you know, as someone at 61 years old who gets invited to retirement parties, um, There's a lot of talent out there for people. I I could create an agency out of it if if I chose to. Maybe not now, but sometime in the future, I could grab guys who are super smart guys, teach them the coaching side of things and say, you know, you were a master salesman for 40 years. You know, Mm you want you come in and join me and you can be specifically a sales coach and do it from the comfort of your own home. Uh, that could be very appealing to someone who's who's left corporate America, but isn't ready to move to Shady Acres. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what about learning and improving yourself? You've you've changed businesses over the time, and you're now doing something where you need to be able to, I guess, think on your feet as you work with people. How do mm-hmm. you keep uh, up to speed and and learning and moving moving forward yourself?
0: um i'm uh you're familiar with strength uh, excuse me strength finders i actually am uh, yeah marcus buckingham came out yes. with the book years ago i saw him talk uh i've taken that twice it always comes out the same number one thing is learner for me i just want to learn everything that i can possibly learn right mm-hmm. um if i'd known that i was going to have the accumulated knowledge uh, of everyone who's ever existed in the palm of my hand in an iPhone, maybe I would have thought differently <laughs> about that when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I like to learn things just for uh, it used to be just for the sake of learning. Now I take the stuff that I've learned and I'm trying to create new knowledge from it. Right? No point of being Jeopardy smart unless you want to go on Jeopardy. You know that might be make a nice, nice, nice uh, parlor trick or something like that, amaze your friends or be really good at trivial p- pursuit or, or a board game or something. But if you can't take that accumulated knowledge and turn it into new knowledge, it's just, I, I don't know what it's there for. It's just mm. dusty old mm. knowledge that I could look up on my iPhone, mm. right? Mm. So
1: that's- And therein lies the challenge of the whole education system nowadays. <laughs> well, the um,
0: I don't want to go too far down the rabbit. I don't know what it's like on the other side of the pond. <laughs> But you know we have we have colossal issues here. Uh, I'd say probably the biggest one is the idea that um, universities are not teaching critical thinking.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
0: amazing how how many people I meet and have conversations with, and they are just skimming along the surface. Yeah, right. They're not asking the probative questions. They're not looking for the subtext. As a screenwriter, you live with subtext. As a mm-hmm. coach. You live with subtext. What is my client not telling me, right? My job is I have to figure that out. I got to read the tea leaves. That's not just going to come to you, right? Anybody can Google something and find the answer. I need to change the oil in my car. I found a wonderful YouTube video of it on how to change the oil in my car. And then I decided, you know what? This is really messy. I'm going to go have somebody else do it. Um, I'll pay the money to do that, right? hmm that's you know that's a that, that's a situation that we all face how are we going to take this knowledge and apply it to create something that doesn't already exist right mm. if you're an entrepreneur mm. if you're just an amazon affiliate reseller who's selling something that anybody else can sell sure you might be able to make a little bit of money but eventually it's a race to the bottom yeah eventually if amazon deems it you know i just read a story the other day about how they um use predatory pricing to drive diapers.com out of business so that they could corner the diaper market for whatever reason they wanted to do it yeah yeah, right so you're a little fish in a very very gigantic pond and one little rogue wave can wipe you out Mm. Um, but if you can create stuff that's actually somewhat proprietary right that you or maybe only a handful of people have because of the originality side of it that's really compelling mm, it's mm. a nice place to be
1: yes yeah absolutely so moving into the last couple of questions firstly what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong and you have a, a terrible day how do you deal with that i go that? play golf that's what <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> i think you're the yet. first person to say that actually <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm, not joking. I'm a very good golfer i'm like a nine handicap the reason is if i have a bad day i go play i go work on my game um yeah. If you, you have to recognize, it's funny, I, you know, as a, as a trader, I trade the markets every day. It's the, 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 uh, the futures, the futures market is the last thing I see before I go to bed and the first thing I see when I wake up. I mean, it just is. And I have market homework that I do every day before the trading day starts. And I ask myself five simple questions. This was taught to me by a friend of mine who's a master trader, And an author and and was also raised in 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 the old ussr as a psychiatrist so he understands the psychology of trading and the psychology of business and so i asked myself the five questions and i get one of three answers green light go ahead and trade amber light trade but be cautious you're not in the best frame of mind red light no trade Mm -hmm. right so if it is a no trade day even if a trade lands on my lap and screams at me to trade it i don't trade it i do other stuff i'll read reports i'll do this i'll work on my watch list whatever it might be it's the same way the rules of of the of the stoplight they apply to to life as well right if you're not in a sober calm nice place don't do anything important go play golf go fishing, go clear your mind. Last thing you want to do is force situation, force a situation to happen when you are not in the right frame of mind. That mm-hmm. is, that's a prescription for really bad outcomes. Yes. yeah. Again, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm oversimplifying this, right? Because people say, well, every day I wake up, I'm having a terrible day. I can't play golf every day. I can't afford to do that. <laughs> Hopefully, that's not your life. If that is your life, that's a, that's a whole other thing yeah right. that's, that's a you know if every day it's like oh i can't stand this this is awful that's that's the universe telling you you need to reevaluate stuff yeah all the golf in the world isn't going to help that you are doing something i hate to use this word but i'm going to use it wrong something is amiss mm-hmm. that needs to be attended to hire a professional get a support group whether it's something in the entrepreneurial world or your personal world or whatever it might be.
2: Mm,
0: Get help because there are, there are tens of thousands of people who live and breathe helping other people. Go find them. Yes, they will cost money. It'll be the best money you ever spent.
1: (laughs) And the last question, what about those days when you get to live more? So that's where I talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you?
0: Um, Wow, I'm probably still on the golf course. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I, I'm, a, I, I'm an adventurer. I like to do different stuff. I can't really do the stuff that I want to do now because of the pandemic. Mm. Um, so I feel... um you know, a little bit handcuffed, but when, when, you know, I, I remind people, my kids will complain about it and stuff. And it's like, just remember how privileged you are just to live in this, in this time, you know, this space and time that we're living in pandemic or no pandemic. We're to a large degree, really blessed, but assuming that that ends at some particular point in time. Um, yeah. I like to go out and explore uh, mm. travel adventures, anything that, I'm curious about, uh, I want to learn more. Yes. Right? I want to meet cool, interesting people, travel to different places, have fun adventures. um, And they can all be different. Just like every day is different, every adventure can be different.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, thanks, Henry. It's been great talking to you. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in contact.
0: Um, I have a vanity site, Henry Doss, H-E-N-R-Y-D-A-A-S dot com, and that has links to, to a whole bunch of, you know, different stuff. My screenplays, all my business stuff, my baseball card collection, you know, <laughs> my, my little golf adventures, uh, just, you know, s- silly stuff. Uh, yeah. my main business, uh, uh is my, my, primary business as, as a business coach is DAS Knowledge, D-A-A-S Knowledge. Or if you misspell it, D-A-S-S Knowledge, it'll still take you there. <laughs>
1: Very good. All the
0: time. <laughs> Got to be belts and braces. Yes. Um, and there's, also, there's stuff about financial literacy. There's a bunch of giveaways. I give away my book. Um, so if you want to download my 432-page book uh, called FQ Financial Intelligence, everything you need to know about how to manage and grow your money. Uh, it's in there. It's a freebie. <laughs> Coupon for 100% off. Can't beat that.
1: Um, yeah, that's it. Brilliant. Lovely. Thanks, Henry. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. All this information is available in the show notes. If you go to powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 176, then you'll find them there. And this week, I'd just like to talk about the networking meeting that we had on Monday and the fact that we were talking about business books And um, as you can imagine, uh, even with a few people at the meeting, there were absolutely tons of books mentioned. So I'm not going to talk about them all, but we were just generally talking about how uh, when you find a really good business book, it can be so useful for you within your business, within your life, if you're thinking about personal development and so on. And we also talked about how sometimes books seem to waffle their way around some key points uh, and actually last about three times as long as they should. Uh, So not all business books are a great read, although some people were talking about perhaps using something like Blinkist to just read summaries of books or using something like Audible to listen to the audio version of books rather than reading them. But just to give you a flavour of some of the things we talked about, uh, one of the members talked about Alan Pease's book, Body Language, which is quite an old book now, but still really valuable. I mentioned the Productivity Ninja book by Graham Alcott, who's one of the guests that we've had on the show. One of my favourite business books is The Slight Edge, which is all about taking really small daily actions consistently and the sort of compound effect that you get Of continuing to take those small actions day by day Uh, and you know as long as they're positive then the trajectory of development goes up Um, obviously the opposite applies if you take small daily actions that are having a negative effect then that the impact of that gets bigger and bigger as time goes on as well so that's the slight edge we mentioned the um, book Atomic Habits by James Clear I think uh, which I've gifted to some of my members uh, in recent months because it's such a good book and i also remembered at the last minute gretchen rubin who has written a number of books but uh, one of the ones that uh, i found really helpful is one called the fork the four tendencies where she talks about sort of your motivation for getting things done and if you understand which um, tendency you have uh, then it's much easier to work out how to stop pr- procrastinating so for example one of them I think it's an obliger is the one where um, external accountability can be really important. So once you know that, then creating some form of external accountability for the work that you're doing can be really helpful. Another one that was mentioned on the podcast only a few weeks ago by Sue Heddo, I think, is Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, which I'm in the middle of reading at the moment. And one that's connected to that is The Power of When, which is all about uh, different chronotypes, different types of people in terms of when you need to sleep. Uh, so that's the lion the wolf the bear and the dolphin and then once it's uh, once you've identified which of those you are uh, the rest of the book talks about the best time to do things based on that hence the title the power of when so the best time to make a decision the best time to have a nap the best time to drink coffee the best time to um, work on some really important work or or whatever it might be so that um, can be really helpful as well so there were there were Tons of books that we talked about and uh, far too many, as I say, for me to mention. Um, But they're all listed, of course, uh, on the show notes, not the show notes at all, on the uh, summary post that I do each week from the uh, networking event. So if you do want to come and join Canterpoint Networking, two o'clock on a Monday afternoon, then you can have a look and see what else we were talking about at that last meeting. And next week, we're talking about online programs. So that's the 21st of September. As I said, the show notes are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 176. And we look forward to speaking to you next week.
0: Use your
2: power to live more.